0: Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala ashuraafil mursaleen. Sayyidina wa nabiyina wa Mawlana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. We welcome you to session three of the perfection of salah. Tonight we will be doing mawaqit wa uqat as-salah, the time periods of salah. We will also be having a look at the abhor, the makru times to make salah, while the preferred times for salah will be done next week inshallah, along with adhan. So the awqat of salah. The term awqat is the plural of the word waqt, and waqt means a period of time. I've already indicated last week that there are many secrets of success that lie in salah. There are many secrets of success that lie in salah The first three secrets of success that lie in salah Is that Allah teaches us that it is important to do the right thing In the Quran we are told by Allah وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ The only reason I created mankind and jinkind is for my worship As such, performing salah, which is an act of worship, is the right thing to do and it is the first secret. The first secret is, do the right thing. Do the right thing. Allah says in the Quran, "Man amila salihan min ذَكَرٍ أُنْثَى Whosoever does the right thing, the act that is appropriate to the moment, min ذَكْرٍ أُنْثَى Whether you are male or whether you are female. مُؤْمِنْ While that person is a believer, they are committed to honorable action. So Allah promises in the Qur'an, Such a person, we will surely grant them a good life in the dunya. And in the akhira, We will surely reward them a reward that exceeds in goodness that which they have done in this world. And Allah knows best. So the first thing to do is to do the right thing. That is salah. But it is not merely sufficient to do the right thing. You need to do it in the right manner. So the Prophet of Allah teaches us, "Sallu kama usalli." Make salah as you see me making salah. And in tonight's lesson, not only is it necessary to do the right thing, and to do it in the right manner, you also have to do it at the right time. You also have to do it at the right time time So Allah says in Surah an nisa verse 103, إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ كَانَتْ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Verily, salah is prescribed to be performed by the believers at appointed times. If you perform the salah before its time, that salah is invalid. You won't be called sinful, but the salah is invalid. If you perform the salah outside of its time, without a good reason, then you are a sinner. And there are certain cases where ulama would even say that you are a disbeliever. And Allah knows best. We have discussed that already. So it is important that salah be made in its time. The first salah to consider is the salah known as fajr. Fajr. The word fajr means the break of day or dawn. The other term that is employed for fajr is subh. And Subuh means morning. So Salatul Fajr, the dawn prayer. Salatul Subuh, the morning prayer. When does the time of Salatul Fajr start? So the ulama say, based upon the ahadith that we will discuss now, that the waqt of Fajr enters with true dawn. With true dawn. So that means that there are two dawns. There is a false dawn, there is a true dawn. And on top of that, we have a sunrise. So we need to know what's the difference between dawn and sunrise. Then we need to know what is the difference between true dawn and false dawn. And then we need to know that Fajr starts at true dawn. So Fajr starts at true dawn, not sunrise. And there's a difference between true dawn and false dawn. We'll have a look at that just now. So true dawn involves the appearance of light breathwise. Sideways, on the horizon, prior to sunlight, or sorry, sunrise itself. So dawn is something that occurs before sunrise, but there's a sequence. There's false dawn, which is light that shoots up vertically up into the heavens. I will give you pictures of it just now and explain it better. So when the light shoots up vertically into the heavens, that is known as false dawn. It is still night. You are still allowed to eat and drink if it is the month of Ramadan and engage in lawful intimacy with your wife. And if it's not the month of Ramadan, it's not the waqt of fajr yet. So you can still make the Hajjud, and You can still sleep. And Allah knows best. Then there's true dawn. When the horizon and the breath itself, the breath of the horizon, light starts. And it starts growing thicker, 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 thicker in an upwards motion. So that day is known as true dawn. Then only when a piece of the disk, the roundness of the sun, appears on the horizon, then that is sunrise. So dawn occurs before sunrise, and dawn means the appearance of light, not the disk, the ball of the sun yet. If if the light shoots up straight into the heavens, then that is false dawn. You should ignore that. If the light occurs on the breath of the horizon, and it gradually grows... Just before the sun starts peeking out, then that is true dawn. And that is true dawn. And if the dusk of the sun appears, then that is sunrise. So ignore sunrise, ignore false dawn. Father's What comes in when it is true dawn. Right? So it looks something like that. You see on the horizon itself... See on the horizon. You'll see this thick band of light that is spreading right down the horizon, so that there is true dawn. Had it been false dawn, there would be a light in the middle that shoots boom up into the heavens. So, false dawn is the one that you ignore. This year is true dawn. You will notice that the disk of the sun is not apparent, you don't see the roundness of the sun. That's sunrise. So Fajr is before sunrise, when you see this light on the horizon. So that's true dawn. So true dawn is the light of the first band of horizontal light before sunrise itself. You're not supposed to see the disc of the sun yet. So the Prophet says in hadith, it comes in Sahih Muslim, the period of the subuh prayer is from dawn until just before sunrise. So that gives us the ending of Fajr. Fajr ends... Just before sunrise. When, the, when a piece of the roundness of the sun appears, then that is the end of the waqt of fajr. Then that is the end of the waqt of fajr. So if you make fajr now, it's too late. That fajr is qada. It is not ada. That fajr is qada outside of its waqt. It is not ada inside of its waqt. In the hadith book called Mustadrak al-Hakim, the Prophet says, there are two dawns. Fajran. One is called the wolf's tail. Some people wrongfully translate this as fox tail. It's actually wolf's tail. If you look at the, uh, the black wolf, then frequently the black wolf when it, when it lifts its tail, it has a white mark that runs in the middle. Right? So when they speak of false dawn, then the whole sama is black. But in the middle, there's a white light that shoots straight up into the Sky as it would look like when a wolf raises its tail, right? So that's the false dawn, the lying dawn, and it is the equivalent of a wolf's tail. It moves in length and not in breath. And then there's another dawn, the true dawn, which moves in breath, not in length, right? So false dawn, ignore it. True dawn, take note of it. True dawn is when Father waq comes. So now you are not allowed to sleep any longer, you must perform the fajr, you are not allowed to eat, you are not allowed to drink, you are not allowed to engage in lawful intimacy during the month of Ramadan. Because that is the time from which you fast. You don't fast from sunrise to sunset. You fast from dawn to sunset. Right? Dawn to sunset. Right? So this is false dawn. So you'll see it's almost like a triangular type of a thing. But the base is a bit wider. But it's a light that shoots up into the heaven. Right? So this here is supposed to be the black part of the wolf's tail. And that would be the white in the middle of the wolf's tail. So that is known as false dawn. False dawn. Astronomers also call it zodiacal light. They also call it zodiacal light. Low zodiacal light. And they define it as, you don't need to know this, This is just for added interest. If you understand what I've already told you, you know what true dawn is, you know what false dawn is. Fazr comes when true dawn comes. Fazr ends just before sunrise. But for those who would want to know some more, zodiacal light or false dawn is a faint, roughly triangular, diffuse white glow seen in the night sky that appears to extend up from the vicinity of the sun along the ecliptic or the zodiac. What is ecliptic? What is zodiac? We know now that the earth moves around the sun. Right? But we that are on the earth, it actually looks as if the sun is moving around the earth. So while the earth moves around the sun to the eye, you'll actually see the sun moving on this red line. And this red line is known as the ecliptic. Right? The ecliptic. So technically, what is happening in false dawn is that the light is shooting up from the ecliptic. If you didn't understand that, they use the term zodiac. What is zodiac? Zodiac is when you take this entire circumference, which is 360 degrees, and you divide it into 12 signs, giving each sign 30 degrees. So that produces 12 zodiacal signs. So it's movements, 30 degrees, one from the next. So that is what meaning. It is at a certain location in the heaven along the ecliptic. If you didn't understand that, don't worry. <laughs> that is just an added point for you, inshallah. Just know what true dawn is. The difference between true dawn and false dawn. And the difference between it then, Sunrise. So Father starts at true dawn. The breathwise glow. And it ends at just before sunrise. When sunrise starts, a piece of the ball of the sun appears, then Fajr ends. The waqt of Fajr is out. Right. This is how it would look to the eye. So as the earth is moving, you're actually seeing the sun on that red line, on that ecliptic, on that red line. You understand? But the sun is not moving. It just looks as if the sun is moving. It's an illusion. Right? And Allah knows... Best this is the zodiac so it's the 12 signs 30 degrees and you can then plot the movement of the earth around the sun or the other way around to the eye Allah knows best generally generally false dawn is best seen just after sunset in spring and just before sunrise in autumn when the zodiac is at a steep angle to the horizon caused by sunlight scattered by space dust in the zodiacal cloud. It is so faint that either moonlight or light pollution renders it invisible. Again, you don't need to know all of that. That day is for those of you that have interest. And Allah knows best. Right? So there it's again. You see it's triangular. It's wide at the base and it shoots up into the heaven. So that is false dawn. If you see this, It is not Fajr yet. Soon after that, on the base, this red glow will start to become thicker, and this white light will start disappearing. Then you are sitting with true dawn. And Allah knows, best. Right? So another picture of false dawn, another picture of false dawn. Right? Then that sunrise. So sunrise is when you can see a piece of the sun. It doesn't need to be as big as that. It can be just a small little piece sticking out. The moment you see the disk of the sun sticking out, that sunrise. So that means that Fajr has ended. So we say it again. Beginning of Fajr, through dawn. What is through dawn? The horizontal light at, uh, on the base. Right? That thick band of light on the horizon. And it continues from that time until you see a piece of the sun sticking out. Sunrise. The moment it is sunrise, Fajr is complete. Right? The waqt of Fajr has ended. Right, that's that. Then Salatu Dhuhr. Salatu Dhuhr. The word Dhuhr actually comes from the term Vahira. And Zaheerah means an afternoon nap. An afternoon nap. In English, some people call it a siyesta. I just need to add to you, it is sunnah to take a nap in the afternoon. It is sunnah to take a siesta. In fact, it is sunnah to take the siesta before you make dhuhr. In desert countries, ulama, including the Prophet, used to delay the salat of dhuhr somewhat, till the sun cooled down a bit, and then only would he make dhuhr. So, when it was time for dhuhr, they took a bit of an afternoon sleep, a siesta. Studies have been done on this. They took people and put them into underground caves with artificial light. No access to sunlight. No access to the outside world. The studies were studies on sleep patterns. And then they left the people in those underground buildings for 40 days to check how they would sleep. And they noticed after a few days that they would sleep twice. They would sleep at night after Isha and they would sleep in the afternoon at noon itself. So they concluded from that study that that is the natural sleeping pattern for humans. Because they had no access to sunlight. They wouldn't know when it was dawn, when it was sunrise, when it was sunset. They wouldn't know. Also, they had no access to the outside world. So nobody could tell them when it was. They didn't have watches, nothing like that. They just decided to sleep at this time and to sleep at that time. So the Sunnah of the Prophet is the natural way of man. Right? So Salatul Dhuhr, the Salah of Noon or Midday. <coughs> the of Dhuhr begins with Zawal. Zawal. Now I'm going to explain Zawal further on. But there's a point where the sun reaches its highest point. Some people call it the Zenith. Right? But it can also be called the Apex or the Meridian. So when the sun reaches the highest point, that is known as istiwa. The moment the sun passes beyond the highest point, point, it starts to go down a bit, then that is known as zawal. The moment zawal happens, it's dhuhr The word zawal, by the way, means to go away. So the sun rose. Then it started going up in the heaven, up in the heaven, up in the heaven, up in the heaven. Then the sun reached its highest spot, its apex. After the sun reaches its highest spot, it starts going down. So where is it going? It's going away. So they call it zawal. Going away. When the sun passes the highest spot. The moment the sun passes the highest spot, that is known as zawal. Zawal is the wakt of duhr. Zawal is the wakt of duhr. So let's read the text. The Wakt of duhr begins with zawal, which is essentially the moving downward of the sun. When we say moving downward of the sun, we've already explained that the earth actually moves around the sun. So the sun is not moving. But to the eye, to the human eye, it appears as if the sun is going down in the west. So the sun arose in the east, it traveled across the heavens, it reached its highest point, and then it starts going down in the direction of the west. And that highest point that is known as Istiwa, Apex, or Zenith. Right, So that's istiwa. When the sun is above you in the heavens at its highest point. It's not dhughr yet. When the sun passes away from it and starts moving down, then it is duhr. Right, So that's istiwa. When the sun is at its highest point in the heavens, that is known as solar noon. And I say this when the sun transits the celestial meridian. Celestial meridian, middle of the sky. That's the easiest way for you to Understand that. Right? So when the sun crosses the middle of the sky, then that results in istiwa. Now, to us humans on the planet, it looks as if the sun is always doing that at the same place. But if we look at the front times of the year, we actually notice the sun is always at the middle years, but it's either lower or higher. So that there is istiwa on December the 21st. Then Istiwa on March the 21st, September the 21st would be there. Then Istiwa on June 21 would be there. So the sun is actually moving in months. But if you notice the half moon, it's always the highest point. Half moon, highest point. Half moon, highest point. The moment it starts moving down, then that's Zawal. That day is the beginning of Dhuhr. And Allah knows best. Right? There's another example of it. So that's you the observer. Sun moving up into the sama to that highest point. Istiwa. Then going down, zawal Dhuhr. Sun moving up to its highest point, istiwa. Then starting to move down, zawal Dhuhr. Sun moving up to its highest point, istiwa. Then moving down, zawal, Dhuhr. Right? So Dhuhr is when it starts moving down. And Allah knows best. There's more complicated ways of looking at it, exact timings 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, till 12 o'clock, etc. You don't need to know that. If you're looking at the Earth from the moon or from a satellite, then this would be night line and day line. And solar noon would occur here. This is how it would look to the eye from space. Right? So this here is all the sun moving up, moving up, moving up. Then when it reaches its highest point, and it would look like that. So at that moment in time, at that location, the sun is at istiwa. Esti- and when the sun moves just beyond that, that is Zawar. Wow. So actually this side of the world is Dhuhr and after Dhuhr. And that side of the world is before Dhuhr. And this side of the world is night. Right? Anything behind the black line is night. Right? And there with the black line becomes color, and that means sunset, uh, sorry, sunrise. And Allah knows best. Right? Another way to look at Zawal. When the sun is in the middle, that's Istiwa. The moment the sun moves away from that, Zawal. Zawal is Dhuhr. So you'll notice I did it a few different ways. Because I wanted to understand it 100%. Here in Cape Town, many people think they know this. They know this. Then they travel. And then it's so confused. It's unbelievable. I know of people that are learned people. Then the sun sets, you can't see it. But they still see light Then they say, So it's one thing to know a thing when you're in a city and you're not practicing it daily. But the day when your salah actually depends upon it. Then that is when things go haywire. Most people here in Cape Town don't actually study the sun. They don't study its movement. They don't study shades also. They work on time. Doher, one o'clock. Who here believes Doher is one o'clock? <coughs> Let me ask you this question. When last was Doher one o'clock? When last was Doher One o'clock. Just look on your timetable when last was before 1 o'clock. Have a look there. And Allah knows best. Right. So when people are traveling, they don't know. So that's why I'm doing it numerous ways. Because I want you to 100% know your auqat. And remember, the time is not going to save you when it is not in accordance with what is in the sky. You must follow the sky, you must follow the shadow. And I will explain both. So at the moment we're explaining, the sky... The sun. Right, again, sun in the middle, moving beyond, zawal. The waqt of dhohar ends when the shadow of an object becomes its equal. The waqt of dhohar ends when the shadow of an object becomes its equal. So let's say, for example, that I was two meters long. So when my shadow is two meters, uh, uh, sorry, yeah, when my shadow is two meters long. Right? After growing now again. So there's a discussion there. When my shadow is two meters long after growing, with the exclusion of the shadow that was present at Zawal, then the Wakt of Dhuhr will end. So it must be a shadow that is equal to two meters. Then also there was a small piece of shadow at Zawal. I have to falter that in also. So let's say that was a comma one meter. So that means when the shadow is equal to me, plus a comma one meter, so that's 2.1 meter, then the waqt of zuhr ends. So waqt of zuhr begins at zawal. Waqt of zuhr ends when the shadow of an object is its equal, excluding the shadow at zawal. Right. How do we know this? The hadith in Tirmiri, hadith 149, when the Prophet said, "Jibril led me in salah at the Kaaba twice. The first time he led him in salah, he showed him the beginning of the waqt. The second time I led him in salah, you showed him the end of the work. In the first instance, he did so at zawal. So that's the beginning of? Vuhur. When the shadow was the equal of a shoestring, and some say a sandal strap. And the second was, was when the shadow of an object became its equal. So that's the beginning of Vuhur, zawal. That is the ending of Vuhur, when the shadow of an object becomes its equal. So this is an object, a tree stump. And you will notice that the tree stump has a shadow. So I have to look at what is the length of the tree stump, and then I must compare it with its shadow. When the shadow is the equal of the tree stump, excluding that small piece of shadow that was here at while, then it's Dhuhr. Then it is Dhuhr. Right. I'll just give you an example. This person was playing around with this idea. So they put a pencil. Then when it was, let's say 10 o'clock, the shadow was over there, they made a mark. Then maybe 11 o'clock, the shadow was over there, they made a mark. Then the shadow was over there at 1.30. So this is sometime after 1.30. Now one of the things I want you to notice is that the shadow is not only becoming longer, see it's crossing the paper plate already, the shadow is also moving like that. Because the shadow was there, but now it's moving in this direction. So not only does the shadow become longer and shorter, the shadow also revolves around the object as the earth moves. Now that's important. I will show you just now what that means. Right. Now this is an actual example of what it works how it works. A, that's A. B, that's B. C, D, E. A, B, C, D, E, location of the sun. Right. When the sun rises, the shadow of the object will be at its longest. From there, right till the sun. As the sun rises up into the heavens, the shadow of the object becomes shorter. Notice the shadow at A and the shadow at B. You see how small the shadow is at B? As opposed to what it was at A. If the sun was at 6, the shadow would have been at its longest. Then, when the sun reaches zenith, istiwa, its axis, notice there's only a small piece of shade. Then, when the sun moves beyond it, just a little bit away from sea, that's zawal. So, that's the beginning of the wat of dhuhr. I just want you to notice something. When the sun was on this side, see wears the shadow. When the sun is on that side, see wears the shadow. Then when the sun is starting to go, asar waktu now, going towards Maghrib, see the shadow is becoming longer. So actually what happens? The shadow is at its longest, it becomes shorter, 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 shortest. Then the shadow moves to the opposite side of the object, and now it starts growing, 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 growing until the sun sets, and then the shadow is the longest that it can possibly be, ever, and Allah knows best. Right? Now, beginning of Wakt of Vohar is when the sun crosses the middle. Ending of Wakt of Vohar is when that shadow is the equal of that object. Thus, is not the end of Vohr yet. That is beyond the end of Vohr. So Vohr is somewhere in the middle between D and E, meaning the end of Vohr. And automatically, the end of Vohr is the beginning of Asr, so technically, Asr is between D and E, and Allah knows best. So if you ever are using an object, you need to know it's going to be longest, it's going to grow shorter, then there's a point where it pauses, and then the shadow appears on the opposite side, and the shadow starts growing. Now when the shadow appears on the opposite side, that's zawal, that's Dhuhr. And when the shadow is the equal of the object, with the exception of that little piece of shade, Then that is the end of Dhuhr, the beginning of Asr. And Allah knows best. Here's another example of it. So look at this tower. This is the shade of the tower. right? At different locations. Sorry, at different times of the day. So closest to sunrise, see how long the shadow of the tower is. Then as the sun is moving through the heavens, the shadow of the tower is becoming shorter. But it's moving also in this direction. Then it reaches maximum shortness. And then it appears on the opposite side. And now it starts growing. And it starts moving in the direction of sunset. Right. So it's long, becoming short, maximum shortness. Then starting to grow again, but on the opposite side. Right. Sunset, when it's at its, sunrise when it's at its longest. When it pauses, that's istiwa when it moves just beyond that and starts growing, that's zawal, Beginning of the waqt of Dhuhr. When the length of the object is equal to the tower, with the exception of what existed at Istiwa, then that is the end of Dhuhr. The beginning of Asr. Right. Now Salatul Asr. The word Asr means to squeeze. And technically, the salaf Asr is considered the squeezing out of the day. It's when you squeeze the day's juice out and then you have no day left. So that's why it's called Salatul Asr. Some people call it the late afternoon prayer. So Fajr, the dawn prayer. Dhuhr, the noon prayer. Asr, the late afternoon prayer. So Asr's wakt enters when the shadow of the object is its equal. And then Asr's wakt according to the Shafi school of thought. Ends just before sunset. Just before sunset. It is only sunset when the entire disk of the sun has disappeared beyond the horizon. So if the disk of the sun is starting to disappear beyond the horizon, that's not sunset, it's still Asr. Only when the entire disk has disappeared behind the sun, sorry, behind the horizon, then that is sunset. Now it's not Asr any longer, now it's Maghrib. Now it's Maghrib. The word Maghrib means, by the way, sunset. So automatically when the sun has disappeared behind the horizon, it is Maghrib. So the Wakt of Asr begins with the end of the Wakt of Dhuhr and continues up till just prior to sunset. So that over there is still Asr, because I can still see the sun. This over here, though I don't see the sun, the sun is still around, because there's sunlight all over the earth. It would appear that the sun is on this side. That's why we're having this shadow. So it's late afternoon, but it's still daylight. So it's still Asr. That over there is still Asr. And the sun is just about making ready for it to be Maghrib. Because the sun is making ready to set. It's not Maghrib yet. That round dusk must disappear. Only when the entire dusk disappears, then it is Maghrib. It is, however, considered highly reprehensible to make Asr at this time. If you unnecessarily delayed Asr till this time, you are considered somebody that, that is deficient somehow. There will be discussion on this next week, inshallah. Not this week. Though we will discuss Makru times. Right? You should make Asr Salah prior to this. You shouldn't wait till this time to make Asr Salah. So, though the Asr Salah would be valid, it would still be Asr. It is a deficient asr. And Allah knows best. In Bukhari, the Prophet says, he who is able to perform one rakah of asr prior to sunset has managed to obtain asr. There are two things we learn from this hadith. The one thing we learn from this hadith is that the waqt of asr ends with sunset. Because the Prophet says, if you perform one rakah of asr prior to sunset, then you still manage to get asr in its waqt. Right? So that means the waqt of asr only ends with... Sunset, and that is the view of the Shafi Madab. The other ulama that say, the waqt of Asr ends when the shadow is double the size of the object. And that's a view amongst ulama. But the Shafi's school of thought is the view, it goes until sunset. Then there's another thing we learn from this hadith. If you are able to get one of over salah in its waqt, then the rest of the salah is still considered ada'an. So if I make one rakah of asr before the sun sets, even though I make the other three rakahs in Maghrib's wakt, that salah is still considered ada'an, not qada'an. It's not considered a good thing to do, but the salah is still ada'an, in its time. It is not considered qadaa outside of its time, and Allah knows best. Then we have Salatul Maghrib. If you look at the sky, you will notice there is no dusk of the sun. Is there still light? Yes, there is still light. When it's Maghrib, you will always still see light. But the sun will, be, will have, have been considered to have set, because you don't see the disk. The moment you don't see the disk, sunset has occurred, and it's Maghrib now. The Wakt of Asr is left, it is Maghrib now. The golden question is, how long does Maghrib last? According to Shafi Madhab, Maghrib only lasts until this redness disappears. Now there are three shades that are important. There's red, there's white, and there's black. So the Shafi Madhab says, when the redness disappears, so what remains? White and black. Then it is no longer Maghrib. It is Isha now. The Hanafi Madhab says, no, the white must also disappear. So when the white disappears, then we only have black. So the Hanafi madhab says it's only Salatul Isha when it's pitch dark, even the white disappeared. The Shafi madhab says no. When the red disappears, even though there's still some white light, it is still. What's it now when the red disappears? Yeah. When the red disappears and there's still some white light, it is Salatul Isha. Salatul Maghrib is, ended. So I say it again. Shafi school of thought, red light disappears. Hanafi school of thought, white light disappears. So that means according to the Shafi's, it will already be Isha, though you can still see white light. While according to the Hanafi's, it will only be Isha when it's dark. And Allah knows, mist. So the work of Maghrib begins when the sun sets, by the disappearance of its dust behind the horizon, and ends with the disappearance of the red glow, known as As al-shafak al-Ahmar. That day is not Maghrib yet. The dusk mass fully disappear. Right? Not Maghrib yet. We can still see the sun. Then there is Maghrib. Because we can't see the sun. Does it matter that there is a red light? No. As long as there is a red light, it's Maghrib. Red light means Maghrib. End of red light? Aisha. Right? So there is our red glowstone. This is not the sun. Eh? This is a light here. Right? So this year is still Maghrib right? This is all Maghrib it's the red glow There is the white glow So when this happens We have white and then black Then according to the Salafi school of thought It's not Maghrib any longer It's Isha now While the Hanafis will still say It's still Maghrib It has to turn black The Prophet peace be upon him In hadith of Sahih Muslim says Or rather he was asked What are the times of Salah Then he gave the time of every Salah Then when he came to Maghrib He said the waqt of Salatul Maghrib is from sunset, when the dust disappears, until the disappearance of the red glow. So when the red glow disappears, then Maghrib ends. Then we have the final salah, which is Salatul Isha. Salatul Isha. So Isha starts with the disappearance of the red glow, Shafak al-Ahmar, and it continues until just before true dawn. So basically, Isha Salah ends when Fajr Salah begins. Some ulama say, Isha Salah only goes up till a third of the night. And there's a hadith on that. So it is considered best to make Isha Salah prior to the passing of a third of the night. Prior to the passing of a third of the night. And there are some ulama actually that say the opposite of that it is best to delay Isha Salah until the passing of the third of the night. There are reasons for all of that, but it's not the place to discuss it, otherwise it's going to become too complicated. What I need you to know, is that if you are a Shafi'i, Isha Salah starts when the red glow disappears, and it ends with true dawn. And if you are a Hanafi, Isha Salah starts with the disappearance of the white light, and it ends with... There was a question? Did you have a question? No? Oh sorry. Right, so we continue inshallah. The Prophet of Allah in a hadith it comes in Tirmidhi says, Jibreel made Isha when the light had gone. And what we understand from that light in the Shafi school of thought is the red light. So that again gives us a reminder that Isha starts when the red light goes in Nasa'i, another hadith book, the Prophet said, there is no negligence in sleep. If you oversleep unintentionally, then you are not considered neglectful. You are not considered neglectful. In fact, in the time of the Prophet, there were certain Sahaba that worked the land, and very hard, and they worked it till late. So, unfortunately, they habitually overslept for fajr. The Prophet of Allah still gave them an excuse. He told them that if you genuinely oversleep, then there is no sin. Now, brother and sister and elder in Islam, in today's time, genuine oversleep means you put on the alarm. And if you've got more than one alarm, your cell phone also, you put that alarm on also. And somehow the electricity of your house went off and your battery went flat and your husband or wife also didn't wake up. And then you overslept right now. That's genuine. You understand? If it happens like that, then there's no negligence, inshallah. But if you intentionally decide not to put on the alarm, not the electrical alarm, nor your cell phone alarm, and you tell your husband, (laughs) You can't say, I overslept. That day was near. You intended. You intended. So that day is not an excuse. So if you genuinely oversleep, there is no sin. Insha'Allah. Sharia uh, forgives when it comes to genuine oversleeping. A man is genuinely tired and oversleeps. If he's so tired, the idea of the clock doesn't come to mind. He opens his door, if he, also, he falls in his bed, and he's slaps. Right, that is genuine. Insha'Allah. Insha'Allah. And Allah knows best. So the only negligence is when one consciously delays the salah till the what of the next salah. This is one of the evidences of the Shafi school of thought that Isha Wak goes until Fajr. So delay the salah till the wak of the next salah. The only salah then that doesn't go from one wak to the next is with salah. Fajr. Fajr is the only salah that doesn't go from one walk to the next. So fajr ends at sunrise. But dhuhr ends when Asr begins. And Asr ends when? Maghrib begins. And Maghrib ends when? Isha begins. And Isha ends when? Fajr begins. So the only one that is the exception is? Fajr. Fajr starts at true dawn. And it ends at? Sunrise. Right? So that's considered the only exception. And Allah knows best. Right? This is what they give the children. But right? so a reminder for us. So Fajr is before daybreak. Daybreak is sunrise. Right? True dawn, to be exact. Then Dhuhr is midday, when the sun has just passed the zenith, the meridian, its apex. Then Asr is in the afternoon, when the shadow of the object is equal to the object, what that small shadow also, at uh, Istiwa. Then Maghrib is when the sun entirely disappears. The, is incorrect. the dust must disappear behind the horizon. Then it is Maghrib. Then Maghrib continues until the red disappears, and then it is Aisha. And if you Hanafi, Maghrib continues until the white disappears. And Allah knows best. Right? Let's ever look at it again. So this is Fajr when the sun is still under the horizon. If you know degrees, people who calculate it via degrees, they work from 15 to uh, sorry, from 18 to 15 degrees. But there are some that work on 14 degrees, and there are some that work on 19.5 degrees. If you didn't get that, just the sun is below. So it's still night. Right? Then when the sun has just crossed the muddle, number two, just crossed the muddle, there's Dhuhr. Then when the sun is the equal of the shade of the object, then it is Asr. Then it is Maghrib, when the sun just disappears behind the horizon again. And then it is Isha. When? The redness disappears if you Shafi And the whiteness disappears if you are Hanafi Allah knows best The same thing, just differently The same thing again, differently Muslims have done it various ways, MashaAllah To ensure that we know when the awqat are Right, that day is the awqat of salah Are there any questions before I continue? Some of you might find this particular lesson very dry, but uh, I have to I have to keep it based on the facts. You understand, and I need to make sure that you know when the uqat are. People are too uh, timetable dependent. They are too watch dependent. You need to start watching the movement of the sun and the shadows. Yes, the question. A very good question. What about when it's winter and you can't see? So there's a general law that I will discuss at the end. It is considered best to make your salah at the beginning of a wakt. But if for some reason or the other you cannot decipher whether the waqt had begun, then you must delay that salah until you know for a fact. So the same is with breaking the fast. If you know for a fact it's maghrib, then the sunnah is that you must break your fast as soon as possible. But if you've got the reason to doubt, like for example, there's two timetables: the NSA Maghrib is 635, theSA the Maghrib is 640. <laughs> so a whole five-minute difference. Do I wait? Yes or no. Now if I were working on a timetable, I would definitely wait the extra five minutes, because I don't want 12 to 13 hours to fall away just for five minutes. <laughs> time. does not make sense. So I rather wait that five minutes and be sure, and when the five minutes are finished, right now we can rush. (laughs) Now we can be hasty. right? And Allah knows best. So while in doubt, you will delay. What if I'm in a country where it's night for six months of the year and day for six months of the year? So the problem with the day is not that I can't see the movement of the sun; I can see it, but the wax is totally odd. If I were to work on local wakt, then that would mean I make five salas per year. <laughs> so what do I do now? So ulama say you must take the location that is closest to you, that has a normal 24-hour, five times daily. And then you must just adopt their waktus. The same when you are not on planet Earth, for some reason or the other. And Allah knows best so now we are discussing the abhor times of salah times when it is considered Makru and Makru Tahrimi sinful sinful to make salah so there are five times when it is considered sinful to make salah if you make salah during these times if you make salah during these times except for the exception now which I will discuss then ulama recommend to the leader of that town, that you must get a hiding. Discretionary punishment. Discretionary punishment means not a fixed punishment, which is anything from one hit up till 39 hits. Up till 39 hits, 39 strikes. And also the salah you make will be considered invalid. If you make salah during these five times, your salah is ba'til. That salah is null and Void. So what are the five times? Time number one. After Salatul Subuh, till the sun is risen. So after you finished your Fajr Salah, you are not allowed to make any other Salah, except for the exceptions which will come in the end. You are not allowed to make any other Salah until the sun is risen. Right question? I came in the mosque and I didn't make my two Raka'ats of Fajr prior. Nafal. But they already started Fard Salah, so I joined the Fard Salah. Somebody told me I can make those two rakahs after Fajr. Yeah, the somebody that told you is right. You can make it after Fajr. So, if for some reason or the other you're going to miss Jamaat Salah, or you're actually going to miss the Fard of Fajr, because the waqt is very limited, you must first make the Fard and then make the nafal after that. Even if that nafal is going to take you into sunrise, you're still allowed to make that particular nafal. Right? The two Raka'ats, Nafal, before Fajr is one of the most praiseworthy Raka'ats ever. So if for some reason or the other you accidentally missed it, you are allowed to make it after Fajr. You are allowed to make it after Fajr. That is an exception. But generally after Salat al-Subuh, we are not allowed to make salah until the sun has risen. And at sunrise itself, you are not allowed to make Salah until the sun is risen to the height of a spear. Until the sun is risen to the height of a spear, a space. Some people don't exactly know what that height is. And how would I calculate it? Do I put a spear like that in front of me and then I look at the sun? How does it work? So other ulama have come up with other ways. One of the ways it is commonly used, if you see where the horizon is, you see where the sun is. There must be an equal distance between the horizon and the sun. The size of the ball of the sun. So there must be a ball's distance and then only the sun. And which ball? The sun itself. So if the sun is a ball's distance, its own distance away from the horizon, then this makru time ends. Exactly how long does it take? Does can differ from place to place? In Saudi Arabia, they generally work on 15 minutes. So after the sun has risen, they work on 15 minutes. So 15 minutes after that, then Dasmakru time actually ends. And Allah knows best. But if you look at it using the eye, the hadith says, the height of a, of a spear. If you can't figure out what a spear is, a piece, and what the height would be? Asakhai. You understand? Then, the equivalent of the disk of the sun. So the disk of the sun must be a distance equivalent to itself from the horizon. And Allah knows best. Number three, the third time when it's makruh and haram to make salah, is when the sun reaches its apex. So that's when the sun is exactly up in the heavens. Until it starts its downward movement. The moment it starts its downward movement, it's zawal. So that means the waktu of dhuhr just came in. So now you can make salah. This time period is a very short time period. It's a very, very, very short time period. So it's not even enough to make a Salah. But we are told to avoid that period. And I will explain that just now at the end. Number four. It's also Makru, to the degree that it is Haram, Makru Tahrimi, to after Salatul Asr, make till Sunset. So after Salatul Asr, until sunset. And then the last one obviously is when the sun turns yellow, until the sun sets fully. So number five is inside number four actually. But number five is a worse time. The sun is making it ready to set, and it's becoming weak, so it's turning yellow. And then when it starts setting, until it sets fully. There's a hadith in which the prophet says, when the sun reaches that time, then the sun is setting between the two horns of shaitan. And people who want to make asr at that time, they want to make asr at that time because they are the imitators of shaitan. That's why. Right? So that is what I mentioned before. That there is a very bad time to make salatul asr. That salah would still be in its time, but it's a very bad time to make salatul asr. And Allah knows best. Now you might be asking, why these times? Here you need to know that Allah has regulated the times of Salah around the movement of the sun. But are we sun worshippers? No, we are not sun worshippers. We are Allah worshippers. But the movement of the sun allows us to know the time. One of the easiest ways to know the time is using the sun. solar time. But you see, there are times where that sun worshippers like to worship the sun. So they like to worship the sun as it rises. Right? They like to worship the sun when it's at its highest and they like to worship the sun as it sits. So you will actually notice the five times it fits into those spaces. In fact, the five times I can divide it into two and three. The three is directly to do what sunset, sunrise, and in the middle. And the other two is after I did something. After Salatul Fajr. After Salatul Asr. So those three is directly in line with the sun worshippers, while these two start to get me in line with those three. So that's why, after I make Asr, then I'm, then it's going to go towards Maghrib. So it's best that I don't. And after I make Fajr, it's going to go towards sunrise. So it's actually going to fall into those other three. Which is why when we look at the evidences, you'll see the evidences actually separate the five. It gives two separate, and it gives three separate. Like for example, Yain Bukhari. The Prophet forbade the performance of Salah after Fajr till sunrise. And after Asr till sunset. And after Fajr, that's the Fajr I made. After Asr, there's the Asr I made. So this Makuru time is actually based upon my performance. So when I perform Fajr, then immediately after that it's Makruh. When I perform Asr, immediately after that it is Makruh. My performance actually determines when this Makruh time enters. But the other three is not like that. The other three has to do with movement of the sun, and I have no control over it. Uqmat ibn Amr al sahabi says that the Messenger of Allah forbade us from performing salah and burying our dead in the three time periods. Here in Cape Town people believe it is not allowed, or some people believe, it is not allowed to make Salatul Janazah in these three times, and they quote this hadith. They also say it is not allowed to bury your dead in these three times, and they quote this hadith. Ulama say there is consensus, meaning all the ulama of the world agree, that Salatul Janazah, even in the makruh times, is allowed. There is no makruness to it. As for burying your dead, it is only makru to bury your dead in those three times when it was intentionally done like that. You delayed the burial of your dead, especially till that time. Then you want to bury them at that time. But if it accidentally happens so, that somebody passed away and they were hustled, and when the hustle was finished, and the salatul janaza could be read, it fell in the makru time, accidentally. Not by intent. Then there is no makruness in burying that person at that time. The makrooness lies in you intentionally burying at that time. That is where the makrooness lies. Not in it accidentally happening like that. And Allah knows best. It is the same with the salahs. If for some reason or other I have to delay the fart and then the fart salah falls in a supposed makruh time, is it then makruh to make my fart Can't be makruh. It's still jais to make that fartsalah. And Allah knows best. Because they had happened accidentally. But by intent, I shouldn't delay my Farsalah into a makruh time. That day is improper. And Allah knows best. So, what were the three times? At sunrise until the sun is fully up. When the sun is at its apex. At midday till it passes the meridian. And when the sun draws near to setting until it sets. So, that's the yellowness. The time it becomes yellow until it sets. So, that comes in a hadith, Sahih Muslim 831. You will notice that everything that I tell you, I'm giving you a hadith for it to show you that it is authentic. It is in accordance with hadith. There are ever three exceptions to this law. There are three salahs or three types of salahs that you are allowed to make even in makruh times. The first salah is a salah with a specific cause. Now there are three types of causes. Three. There's a cause that can precede the salah. There's a cause that happens while the salah happens, and there's a cause that follows the salah. Only the first two allows you to make salah in the makruh time, not the third one. I'm going to give you examples of all three, and then it will make sense, insha'Allah. So, a salah with a specific cause that either precedes it, meaning the cause precedes the salah, or the cause happens concurrent to the salah, then it is okay. You can make that salah in the makruh times. If the cause happens after the Salah, you cannot make that Salah in the Makru times. Let's give you some examples. A Salah with a cause before tahiyatul Masjid. What is tahiyatul Masjid? The two rakat Salah I make after I entered the mosque. Notice I make it after I entered the mosque. So the cause for those two rakahs happened before I actually go and make the Salah. So that Salah can be made even in Makru times. So, even if I enter the mosque after Asr, I enter the mosque as the sun is setting, it is still permissible for me to make Tahiyyatul Masjid. Same word, Tahiyatul Wudu. I just took Wudu. What am I supposed to make after I take Wudu? Sunnah. Turakat, Nafl. Sunnah of Bilal, Radlanu. Tonight the Prophet went on Mi'raj, he heard the footsteps of Bilal in Jannah. When he came down, he asked Bilal, What do you do that other people don't do? Then Bilal said, Whenever I take a wudu, I don't like to waste my wudu. So, whenever I take a wudu, then immediately after that, I make two rakats, nafal salah. So, if for some reason or other my wudu breaks, Maaf now to say it like this, like he poops, then he knows his wudu wasn't in vain. His wudu had a salah. So, the wudu was given its haq of a salah. So, that became known as Tahiyatul wudu, the sunnah of Tahiyatul wudu that was said by Bilal rad and it's a sunnah for us up till today. The wudu precedes the salah. The entrance of the mosque precedes the salah. So in all of those cases, I can make that nafal salah even if it falls in a makru time. All right? Second one, the reason for that salah is concurrent to the salah is this ka. is the salah for rain. While I'm making the salah for rain, I'm wanting rain. So the reason for the salah is concurrent. The same with the Salah for a solar eclipse or a lunar eclipse. Khusuf and khusuf. While I'm making that Salah, the eclipse is happening. Right? So the cause is concurrent to it. Same with Salatul, tul janazah. While I'm making the Salah, the dead man is there. So he is dead concurrent to the Salah. So likewise that Salah can occur even in the makruh times. The following salah, however, is not permitted in makru times. If you've done hajj, you will know that it is sunnah to make two rakats, nafal, just before you enter into ihram. Just before you enter into ihram. So that means the reason for the two rakats, nafal, only happens after the salah. So if that particular two rakats, nafal, falls in the makru time, you're not allowed to make it. You're only allowed to make it if it is prior to the salah or during the salah. Not if the reason occurs after the salah. So there the reason occurs after the salah. You're only going to enter into ihram after you make the two rakats nafal salah. So that two rakats nafal salah can only be made in a non-makru time. Not in a makru time. And Allah knows best. So that's why that is in green and that is in red. The one in red is to tell you cannot happen in a makru time. One are in green, is telling you, can happen in the makru time, will not be makru. So that is salah with the course. The second time you are allowed to make a salah, you are allowed to make a salah, in the makru times, is when you attend Jumu'ah. When you attend the work of Jumu'ah, and you are in the mosque, regardless of whether this is Tiwa or not, regardless of whether the sun is in the middle of the heavens or not, you are allowed to make as much nafal salah as you like. You are allowed to make as much nafal salah as you like. And then finally salah in the haram. And when I say haram, I don't mean the mosque in Makkah. I mean the city of Makkah. When you are in the city of Makkah, then you are allowed to make salah in the five times makru, even if it's a nafal salah. Right? I just want to add an extra point. Qadar salah can be made at any time. Even in makru times. Qadar salah can be made. Because technically the reason for the salah happened before. Right? So qada salah can be made even in makru times. Right? Are there any questions before I go on? Right, I'm about to finish. It's just one or two questions, inshallah, then I'll finish. Right? Any questions before we go on? What is this? The Qadha Salah. Some of these mad dafa. A is not according to the madhab. Only according to Shafi madhab. But B and C is according to other madhab also. Right? But not A. A is only according to Shafi madhab. Right? Some of the evidences. Evidences for A. Imam Bukhari, there is the hadith of the Prophet, you forgets a salah should make it when he remembers. And there is no expiation kafara for it besides that. So you just need to make qadah. From thus the Shafi Madhab learnt that if the cause happened before, then the salah can be made even in makru times. Because the Prophet says make it when he remembers. He doesn't say except the makru times. He says make it whenever he remembers. So even if he remembers during the makru times, he can make it. Right, So that's evidence for A. Evidence for B. There's a hadith that comes in Abu Dawud, but the hadith is considered weak. So there's a rational argument. The rational argument is used by Imam Bayaki. Imam Bayaki says, it is well known that the Prophet and islam liked that people attend Juma early. And he preferred that they engage themselves in Salah, without the exception or specification of time. The Prophet didn't tell the Sahaba, go for Juma early, and only make Nafal Salah as long as it's not Istiwa. And to leave the mosque for Jumu'ah is difficult. Because the mosque is so full, if you start leaving, you won't find your place again when you come out. So how would I know whether it's istiwa or not? So from that, Imam Bayaki understood that it is permissible to make nafal salah even during istiwa if you are attending Jumu'ah. And Allah knows best. Right, that's evidence for number two, B. Then evidence for number three, salah in the haram, you can make it anytime. The Prophet Allah says in the hadith, tawaf around the bait is like salah. How is that evidence? All ulama of the world agree, you can make tawaf around the Kaaba any time of the day or the night. So if tawaf is like salah, and you can make tawaf around the Kaaba any time of the day or the night. Then what does that say about salah? Then it says you can make salah also. Any time of the day or the night. And Allah knows best. In fact, the, all of this hadith goes like this. Tawaf is like Salah, except that you are allowed to speak in Tawaf. You're not allowed to speak in Salah. So while you're making Tawaf, you can speak to your husband, and you can speak to your friend, no problem. As long as you're speaking lawful things. And Allah knows best, but not in Salah. Right. Some quick questions. And then in addition to a question that was asked and answered last week, and then we will end on this. Question number one. When is the best time to perform a Salah? Like general answer, some exceptions will be given next week. It is best to perform Salah at the beginning of the waqt. It is best to perform the Salah at the beginning of the waqt. Some ulama say you must delay Isha Salah until a third of the night. Some ulama say you must delay Dhuhr until it's not so hot. The Shafi Manab says, No, even Isha at the beginning of the waqt. As for delaying until it's not so hot, that's only in desert countries. Not for South Africa. So, that means every salah is best to make at the beginning of the waqt. The evidence for that is, the Prophet Muhammad was asked, which salah is best? And he answered, the salah performed at the beginning of the waqt. Sahih Muslim, Hadith 85. Next question. Is it true that it is makru? Reprehensible. Reprehensible means Allah would prefer that you avoid it. But if you do it, it's not a sin. Is it true that it is Makru to sleep before Isha Salah? So answer. There are two Makru eggs related to Isha Salah. Makru egg number one. Sleeping before Isha when the wakt has entered. So sleeping after Maghrib, not Makru. Sleeping before Isha, not Makru. If the adhan went for Isha and then you go sleep, yeah, Makru. <laughs> makru. Makru. Right? So when the walk entered and then you want to go to sleep. Right? What, what near you got? At that moment. You just had that van going. in you can So that time is makru. Then also most people don't know it. But it's considered makru to speak after Salatul Isha. It's makru to speak and do other trivial acts after Salatul Isha. There are exceptions. Speaking in the sense of learning and teaching important things. Deen. Speaking to your wife after Salatul Isha, all highly meritorious, and Allah will give you reward. Any other speaking, to waste your time, go sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to ETV, you're absolutely wasting your time. And Allah knows best. And the evidence for this comes in Sahih Muslim Hadith 431. So you can go check it over there, inshallah. But right, question number three, which is the final question. And then I will just uh, put something at the end of a question that came last week. Is it permitted to delay salah from the beginning of the wakt till the end of the wakt? Is that permitted? Right, so the answer is, while it is generally permitted to perform a salah anytime during its wakt. So anytime during the wakt, you can perform a salah. There are two conditions. One condition is, you are only allowed to delay it when you actually intend to make it later in the wakt. So, when the waktu enters, and then you tell yourself, then it's permissible to delay it. But if your heart is empty of an intention, and the waqtu is already there, then doing it later is considered problematic. Because what if you die? What if you die, and the waktu is there, and your heart is clear of an intention to make that salah? Then that's considered sinful. So, if you intend to make the salah, but then you die, then that is not sinful. As long as the work is still there. So the first issue was intended. Secondly, delay must not lead to the five makru times. Don't delay Asr Salah until the yellowness. Then that is problematic. Right? You should perform Asr Salah before that, inshallah. Last, not last week, last when we had a lesson, I mentioned that in the Shafi Madhab, if you are a woman, And your Hayd comes to an end. If your Hayd comes to an end for Asr Salah, then you have to make the Dhuhar Salah. And if your Hayd comes to an end for Isha Salah, then you must make the Maghrib Salah. So that there that I told you is 100% correct. I know some of you doubt it. Then came the question, what if I didn't know before, and many years passed, must I make qada of all of those salahs? So then I gave the answer, yes, you must make qadah. And what I meant by yes, you must make qadah, is according to the Shafi school of thought. There are other ulama that have other views, such as the Hanafi school of thought. The Hanafi school of thought say, you don't need to make that qadah. And you have the option to practice that view. Right? The reason I didn't mention that last week, is I don't want to freely give the views of other madhab. And people have the thought that you can go crazy with the madhabs and pick and choose as you like. But you need to understand that the practice of the ulama, especially of the Shafi madhab, is that a non scholar technically is not a true follower of a madhab. So a non scholar has the right to follow another madhab, especially when it places them in difficulty. So you will notice that I sometimes give another madhab's view when that first madhab's view is too difficult, perhaps, for our people. Right? So that is what I'm adding here, inshallah. Uh, there is some more questions. Uh, my time is totally up, so I'd rather just answer the questions, the two questions I see here uh, next week. Oh, can I quickly answer? No? Time up? Uh, can I answer? Right, okay, bismillah, quickly. What is the ruling of women wearing socks while making salah? In the Shafi Madhab, a woman must wear socks. If a woman doesn't wear socks, her salah is not valid. In the Hanafi Madhab, they don't require you to wear socks. If it's compulsory, what happens? For instance, if you're in a situation and you don't have socks on you, will your salabi be accepted? You should have socks on you. Your feet are aura. <laughs> so why are your feet not covered? <laughs> or do you make qadah when you get socks? Yes, according to Madhab, you must make qadah. <laughs> if a woman is pregnant or breastfeeding, is she allowed to fast? Yes. Your pregnancy is divided into three trimesters. Generally fasting and traveling in the first trimester and the last trimester can be dangerous. But you must consult a medical specialist. If the medical specialist says, it is dangerous for you to fast, it will harm you. Then you don't need to fast, but you must make a If the medical specialist says, it's dangerous for your child, then also you are allowed to eat but not only must you make qadah, you must pay fidyah for every day. And the reason you must pay fidyah for every day is, the reason you are not eating is not due to the person that's supposed to fast, you, it's due to a person inside you. So you're trying to save somebody else's life. So even though you've got the right to save that person's life, you must pay fidyah for that. And Allah knows best. Yeah, so the question is, must you make qadah? The answer is, yes, you must make qadah. And by the way, if you didn't know it, you must make qadah before the next Ramadan comes. If you don't make qadah before the next Ramadan comes, you are a sinner. And on top of that, you must pay kafara. And Allah knows best. We continue next week, inshallah.